0: hello everyone welcome to Talking Logistics where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program Adam Compain, who is CEO at Clear Metal and today we're going to talk about AI machine learning and the power of predictive logistics now these are all topics that are, are getting a lot of attention these days but they're also generating a lot of questions you know uh, what are these technologies uh, how do I use them in my operations and derive value from them you know what's real today and, and versus what's hype Right. And, and how do I get started to kind of start, uh, you know, making sure that I'm uh, ahead of the curve, if you will, or, or not falling behind in, in these areas? So th- those are just uh, you know, some of the questions we're going to explore in today's episode. It's really great to have Adam on the program to uh, you know, share his advice and insights on this topic, considering he's on, on the front lines of this with uh, a lot of the companies that he works with. So, uh, Adam, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Adrian. Very, very good to be here. So, so, Adam, before we kind of dive into
0: kind of the, the really meaty stuff here of uh, AI and machine learning and predictive logistics, uh, I always like to ask, you know, my guests, particularly the first time on the program, you know, a little bit about how they even got involved with this whole industry to begin with. So, you know, why don't we start there, uh, you know, very briefly, just tell us a little bit about, you know, your career path, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics and kind of what your current role and responsibilities are there at uh, Clear Metal.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So really the supply chain always uh, drew me in, honestly. It's a fundamental human need. The the scale of the industry is unbelievably uh, large and complex, uh, and I also know pretty challenging. And so it was actually after finishing uh, a number of years, five years at Google, working on their latest technologies, and then uh, going back to Stanford to get my MBA, that uh, I finally decided to get into the industry going over to Hong Kong and working at uh, double O for a short amount of time and really seeing from their perspective, from a service provider's perspective, how challenging this industry actually is all the things that they have to deal with to serve shipper customers. Um, and from the flip side, everything a a retailer or manufacturer has to go through to really get things from where they're made and where they have them uh, all the way to where consumers at the end of, need, end of the day need them. And so it was really this overall, um, effort that we now call supply chain that drew me in um, and led me to not only discovering the challenges but also realizing there's a massive opportunity to help people in the supply chain with a fundamentally different kind of technology that that is AI and all the things we'll talk about today. Um, and so that's the shift from my background being squarely in technology and shifting over to uh, the shipping logistics and supply chain industry. Uh, my role at ClearMetal is the founder of the company and CEO. Uh, they're in uh, you know, a lot of different responsibilities, but namely, what I find myself doing today is working with our customers to understand exactly what they need in this new era of logistics and supply chain um, and evangelizing in a sort of way, educating folks in the industry about how they can leverage the latest and greatest technologies coming out of places like Silicon Valley for the benefit of their own operations, for the benefit of their service providers, and for the benefit at the end of the day of end consumers.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great. Uh, th- th- that's a great background. I mean, you don't hear too often companies uh, leaving Google, going into the logistics industry. Uh, so, so I think that that's great. I think it. it, it I think it also sheds some light on. You know, I think for a long time, supply chain logistics. You know, a lot of particularly young professionals didn't even think about that as a, as a career path. And, and I think uh, you're a great example of how. Um, you know, there's so much excitement, so much uh, opportunity for innovation. And obviously the, the role that the technology plays in this whole industry and we co- will continue to play in this industry, you know, m- moving forward. So a lot of folks think, yeah, I want to work for Google or Apple or, you know, all the, the brand name technology companies. But there's a lot going on in the logistics and supply chain space, not only from a technology standpoint, from but but uh, a lot of innovation to take place from a number of different levels. So uh, I think uh, I think you'll be a hit with a lot of uh, young professionals that, uh, you know, are looking to figure out where th- their career path down the road. So <laughs> Um so, so let's let's now talk about this topic, right? I mean, because I agree with you. I think there's a lot of education that, that needs to take place, there's a lot of conversations that need to take place to to really understand, you know, the opportunities and the power that technology can play in these areas. Um, you know, like I said in my opening remarks, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive, you know, logistics. I mean, these are terms that we hear a lot of these days, but you know, what I find is a lot of supply chain logistics, you know, executives are still kind of confused by what these terms mean and, and their value proposition. So just to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page, I mean, can, can you provide kind of a, a clear or simple definition, you know, of these terms and, and shed some light on, on why it, they're getting so much attention these days?
1: Yeah, sure. I think, I think really what you said to me in there, why are these getting so much attention these days? And before we go through, and I'm happy to sort of define these different terms, I think the most important thing to understand is what we're talking about when we talk about AI and machine learning and data science is really a fundamentally different kind of computing than existed before. Um, if you want to simplify it, the analogy we often use is it is the difference between a smartphone and a flip phone. It's a difference if we're going to battle between a sniper rifle and a slingshot. And what it is, is is a type of computing technology that is a necessary copilot to making very complex decisions that we all have to make every day, whether it's personally using a smartphone to navigate the world and traffic and all those things, or in the supply chain, how to navigate all the exceptions and contingencies that go awry when you're dealing on a global scale. And so what we're really talking about and the reason people are so excited is there is a new type a fundamentally new type of technology that's come about that will radically change many aspects of our lives from personal to business applications. And if you look at the business leaders out there and the companies out there like Amazon, like Facebook, like my former employer, Google, you know, they have all said, you know, we are putting a stake in the ground. Everything we do will be AI assisted from now on. And so I think that's what the excitement comes from. Um, and I think that's why it's so interesting. It's, it's very much the same type of wave that we saw when business went generally from analog to using computers and desktop computers um, to fundamentally use computers to do things differently and make better decisions and be assisted like every day. I mean, you and I are even talking on a computer right now. Um, but I think to, to ground that, uh, you know, let's talk about the actual um, definitions. So when we speak about AI, It obviously stands for artificial intelligence. And AI is really a umbrella term. It's a type of and set of technologies that are leveraging this different kind of computing, which I'll I'll get into. And AI, it's named artificial intelligence because in many ways it mimics the way humans behave and think and pattern recognize. It just does it to a level that's an order of magnitude, many orders orders of magnitude um, more sophisticated. Um, And I'll get into it just to kind of list out a few. When we hear big data, that's a big term out there. All that really means, honestly, is a whole lot of data. And we're talking massive amounts of data. Often companies we deal with aren't even necessarily in the realm of big data, surprisingly, but it just means a lot of data. Um, When we talk about machine learning, one of the core tenets of artificial intelligence, machine learning is a different kind of computing in two ways. First, machine learning means instead of St- uh, programming and prescribing a static algorithm to understand the way the world works, putting data in one side of the algorithm and getting an output out the other side, like an equation. Instead, machine learning looks at a ton of data and, and from that data, it, it discovers and recognizes patterns that would be uh, otherwise un, um, unforeseeable to the human eye or unforeseeable even to the best trained statistician or a uh, person who who writes algorithms to map out. So it basically one looks at the data and from the data discovers patterns and correlations between those data. Secondly what machine learning does in, in its name is every new piece of information or data it receives it will actually learn over time. Right so this is mimicking the way humans do it but in the in both camps it can see patterns and correlations far better than we can. And it can learn with a a level of perception that is far beyond uh, at least me. Um, And so that's really what that means. And and another popular term I'll bring up now is IoT. Um, That's really the Internet of Things that is physically making physical assets into digital ones, often by equipping them with physical hardware and and creating sensors out of them. And in our view, that's really just another source of data, whether you manually input data or whether you capture it from, a sensor, it's really all just inputs of data. Um, but really, I think the fundamental thing to take away is this is a type of computing that moves far beyond statistics and static algorithms and is a, a learning type of system that can see things far better than we can.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, 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 I love your definitions because uh, uh, they are, you know, I, I love the analogy of the smartphone versus the flip phone because I think most people can can recognize that I think you know I know that a lot of people early on might have resisted the, the smartphone, but i i uh i I don't think uh, aside from maybe a grandparent or two here or there uh might be still holding on to the flip phones today just because it's it's become such an, a pervasive part of how we you know live up both our personal and and business life um you know the 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 you know thinking about a kind of a new form of computing I think is also a helpful you know paradigm there to kind of you know, one of the things I wrote recently was we have to unlearn supply chain management. I wrote a post kind of mm-hmm. title of that. And in many ways, it's saying, you know what, what I hear a lot from supply chain logistics professionals is that they, they are tasked with trying to make smarter decisions faster. And what they're finding is that their existing technologies their existing processes, organizational structures, so on and so forth, are just not keeping up with the rapid pace of, of decision making that they need to make. And that's the way I kind of put it into context, you know, these new technologies, things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and kind of the underpinnings is really kind of the next evolution in helping companies make smarter decisions faster. Did kind of, do you see that as well?
1: That's exactly it. And honestly, why, why we started the company. When I was in Hong Kong and deeply researching and speaking to people in the industry, what became very clear is that people after you know a few decades of working in supply chain had actually become very strong at making the decisions they needed to make the caveat being with the tools that they had in their hands. And what was clear is that they simply didn't have the right technologies and tools in their hands, the right tools to make sense of the 800 million booking revisions that happen per year, the how many millions and billions of permutations and combinations of things that can happen when you're trying to manage a supply chain. And so the company was started to equip supply chain operators, largely in the retail and manufacturing space with that better co-pilot and tool in the same way you and I don't leave the house without a smartphone in our pocket. And, and the name of the company, interestingly enough, is named after that. It's, it's named clear metal because what we saw was uh, supply chain operators focusing largely on the physical operations and physical economies of scale to solve problems. When coming out of a place like Google, what we learned was uh, there are ways to leverage technology and be smarter as opposed to being bigger to solve problems. And so clear metal, the name stands for seeing through the metal assets and the physicality and actually looking at the underlying information, data, customer behaviors, shipment flows, and mastering that before you then uh, are aided with the right decision making tools. Um, and, and yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, uh, I'm glad you tied it in with the, uh, the name of the company. Cause I was kind of curious how the, the, the company came about, the name came about. Um, so so yeah and I think that, that makes that makes a lot of sense I think that's another good way to kind of look at it um, so so let, let's talk now about you know predictive logistics kind of another term here and of course there's a lot of buzz about you know m- moving away from being reactive right to be actually be able to predict things and then that leads to then being more you know uh, analytics being uh, you know leading leading uh, to prescriptive you know types of uh, of uh, outputs out, out of these technologies um, you know, how, does, how does predictive logistics fit into you know, the broader landscape of, of technology and everything we just talked about here?
1: Sure, sure. So predictive logistics is a, is a, a new category. We think it's a, a big category, and we view ourselves as helping pioneer this type of, um, uh, type of effort into the supply chain space. And predictive re- logistics really stands for a few things. It's what I mentioned in uh, using intelligence over scale. It is exactly that as being proactive and predictive instead of reactive and, and and, um, just managing exceptions after the fact. And it is also this notion that we've heard from around the world uh, from our customers of wanting to be much more marketing driven customer driven and data driven rather than sort of operationally based. And so this category is really standing for that next generation of logistics or supply chain and and needing to get there. Um, And yeah, I'll I'll leave it there for a second. So 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 so, what's required to, to to make
0: predictive logistics work? I mean, I, I assume you, you know we talked about you talked you mentioned big data before, right? Uh, so so I assume you know timely and accurate data uh, is part of it. But but what else? What else is needed, kind of, to, to make this work?
1: Sure, and and I'm remembering the second part of your question there on you know how does this really fit into the overall context of everything else that's going on in digital transformation in this industry. Um, it really lives kind of across it all um, and, and inside it. I mean, we hear a lot of customers uh, trying to upgrade their infrastructure, right? Get from on-premise software to the cloud, uh, building a new data lake, um, implementing a new ERP. Those are all fantastic components of what you need to survive in this next wave of supply chain. Predictive logistics really spans across that. It's you know, wonderful to have, uh, obviously, data in the cloud. You can then manipulate manipulate that data and do intelligent things with it. It's wonderful to have uh, that data lake and centralized systems and things like that. Predictive logistics is really a a sort of intelligence platform that you can think of to not only make sense of that data wherever it lives inside of your company, but then leverage best technologies like AI and machine learning to solve other challenges from the core data issue uh, operators deal with to different types of use cases, which I know we'll get into. Um, But in terms of what's what's required at, I think a few things. Um, first, I'd say a partner. Uh, supply chain operators and and large manufacturers and retailers have grown up and built fantastic multi-billion dollar companies around um, manufacturing, sourcing, manufacturing, production, transport, and, and distribution of goods, not around developing software and technology. And so I'll use the mobile phone analogy again. You know, you and I are not out there trying to develop our own uh, you know, iPhone, we are, you know, going to the Apple store and picking it up from them because they're experts in building this stuff and we need their tools to assist what we want to do every day. So I'd say first and foremost, a partner. I mean, most companies aren't set up to develop their own software. It's an incredibly expensive endeavor and it's a different core competency. Um, the second thing is data. Uh, data is obviously needed to, to get to the future of predictive logistics and, and enhance predictive visibility Um, the misconception I'll say is that you need different and new kinds of data, you know, that we need all containers, let's say, or pallets to be equipped with a sensor before we can even do things. It's actually a fallacy. There's enough data in the industry uh, that you can leverage it as long as you can make sense of it using machine learning and do things like predictions and intelligent insights off of that. Um, you don't need all different sources and even Data sources that don't exist yet. Fantastic when it comes, but you can take advantage today with the data you have today. And then third, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, the parallel of people uh, thinking it would be crazy to, to have smartphones in their pockets, and of course now only, you know, potentially a, a grandparent um, is averse to it. You know, ironically, at Google I worked on the mobile team in about 2008 or 9 when smartphones were proliferating, and in many ways that job. Uh felt like how it feels today to help evangelize and educate people about clear metal and, and the AI operating system we're building for a supply chain. It, it my my message here, what's required is to move now. It's uh, it's interesting to me how much we forget from one technology revolution to the next, how quickly this stuff becomes commonplace and almost ridiculous if you don't have it in your hands. And so the same exact thing that we saw in the mobile industry going from wondering whether people will ever buy something on a phone or use a phone more than a few times a day to it being prolific. The same thing is happening in this industry with AI. It is a fundamental backbone of how we'll operate the same way we operate with phones and the same way business operates with uh, uh, personal computers. Yeah, you know,
0: I've I've, I've, uh, I've witnessed some of that myself throughout my career. Uh, You know, I always tell the story when I Uh, worked back at Motorola back in the uh, early to mid-90s, and the internet and the web was just about to, you know, was just making inroads, if you will. And uh, Motorola would not allow for a long time, uh, you know, employees to access the web. You know, they, they had a lot of serious concerns about, you know, employee productivity, you know, people surfing the internet for sports sites and inappropriate sites and just wasting a lot of time. And it was not not more than three years later that we had the e you know the dot com and e commerce and everything else you know so it it kind of was this wave that you know took over uh and same thing with you know even the Motorolas too with the with the cell phones right they missed the digital i mean the analog to digital wave and they also were late to the you know uh, uh standard phone to the smartphone as well and and we see what, what repercussions were you know were there I, I just want to you know with, with regards to data. Uh, and, and I love the point that, you know, you don't need, um, you know, you don't need to have, you know, uh, everything uh, internet of things enabled to, and all that kind of, you know, future data, if you will, to, to make this possible, you can use some of the data you already have. But I think some of the limitations that with the data we already have for a lot of companies is that, you know, it's either not complete, it's not accurate or it's, it's kind of latent, right? Cause yet there's a lot of EDI in this industry, right? So it's batch oriented and, Um, You know, so you're seeing things or companies move more towards web services and and APIs and, you know, obviously just using, you know, more wireless type of capabilities to transmit information. Are you seeing that as well in terms of as a way to reduce some of that friction or at least improve the the quality of the data? Exactly. Uh,
1: So the I think the misconception people have is that you can't take advantage of just call it A.I., until you first solve this data challenge, right? The dirty, siloed, inaccessible, unusable, unclean data. The the reality, and our company is a perfect example of this, is that we use AI to solve the data problem. Um, And so they're very much intermingled. And we absolutely agree that the first order problem is really that data challenge that everyone deals with. And I'll give you a, a very tangible example. The 315 message set, container movement events, come in, you know, out of whack, unsequenced. they have missing uh, uh, data elements, duplicates. Um, Often it doesn't make sense and it's not readable. Our company has spent, I'll admit, honestly, over half of our development and engineering time with literally some of the top AI engineers in the world from Stanford and elsewhere, solving that core data challenge, getting the 315 message set, sequencing it properly, cutting out the duplicates, filling in the gaps, and mapping it to what we call our, our global schema, so that the data exists from EDI in API format to then make sense of and do intelligent things with. And anyone saying that you can just throw a machine learning algorithm at the current set of data and have it, you know, speak magic, you know, that's that's a, um, not going to happen. And so it is so crucial um, to to first have the application of AI solve that. And that's exactly what we've done because it is such a massive problem. Great. No, that's a
0: great, great example there. Um, so, so I mean, kind of, to kind of extend that, I mean, can you walk us through some other kind of, you know, use cases for applying, you know, predictive logistics today? Um, you know, what industries or, or types of companies are, are some of the early adopters here?
1: Sure. Um, so we're working with, uh, some of the largest importers and exporters. So shippers namely, and we can, um, for ease, we can stick with that same three fifteen uh, container movement uh, event example. So, even just looking at door-to-door in the transport space, the decisions you make along the way are very complex and they matter a lot in terms of inventory on hand. Um, So if you're thinking about in the planning stage, right, determining whether or not a purchase order should then get booked and go on air versus ocean, that's a difference between reliability and a lot of dollars. And so at the outset, using a technology like the ones we're we're deploying – a supply chain operator or a transportation manager could make the decision pre-booking whether or not they need to stay on that service uh, string with a certain carrier, switch to another, and be given confidence intervals about the likelihood that that shipment will arrive on time and when they need it. Or they actually do need to pony up the extra dollars and ship by air, spending you know spending a lot more, but ensuring that reliability. So there's a level of decision making in the pre you know transport space. Um, that is cru- crucially important. If we continue down the example, um, as things transport across the world, we know that about one out of four shipments, an exception happens. Uh, and if there is, for example, uh, uh, over one transshipment, the likelihood of delay is over 50%, and a delay in a transshipment will be on average a two-week delay. So thinking about inventory on hand in that context. So you can use predictive logistics and the data intelligence platform to predict Exceptions that will go awry, um, and potentially, depending on the timeout, look at alternate routes, which would reduce risk. Ongoing, whether you're a shipper yourself or the 3PL managing that shipper, you can give better customer service by alerting that importer or alerting the end uh, uh, consignee of that of that cargo that things will go awry or be late to allow them to plan. Um, in the terminal space, we also um, hear a lot about this that. You know, there is so much uh, inefficiency wrapped around the drayage opportunity and not being able to see when your container is available uh, for pickup that using the same kind of tool you can predict and see visibility within the port to understand when to come to your box, on and on and on, all the way even into uh, arrival at the warehouse. We were speaking with a very large um, uh, uh, European retailer explaining how useful our capabilities would be for helping staff labor and uh, optimize bay usage at their distribution network um, if they're better able to predict, especially in peak season, the arrival times of those containers. So again, this is not end-to-end. We're just talking the example of door-to-door and just using sort of 315 message-like information to increase efficiencies across the whole chain.
0: Yeah, no, those are great examples. And uh, you know, to touch back on the kind of the data piece a little bit, uh, you know, as far as a predictive piece, I mean, there's a lot of discussion today about integrating, you know, kind of third party data out there around, let's say, weather events or, uh, you know, traffic, things like that. I mean, are those other inputs that go into this to help kind of with the, with the predictive component of this? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, they do. And our system is built for that. Um, what's important to remember is it, it, the data you need and the, Uh, the data you need certainly depends on the use cases uh, that you're going for. So, you know, there sort of seems to be a little bit at the start of an arm race out there where whoever has the most data wins. And, you know, if we were to take in Twitter signals and, you know, microwave signals, that would be even better. You know, for some use cases, yes. Um, But uh, the important thing to do in getting into these new technologies and the genius that comes is the application of the technology to the problem um, not just the use of that technology or the use of a lot of data. So to answer your question, yes, uh, third-party data is infused and and in many ways makes things better, um, but it's not just about you know who has the most data.
0: Yeah, no, I love I love that point because I've I've uh, I've said that myself a lot of times, and and I've had others you know say the same thing. You know, sometimes the worst thing a company can do is, is kind of you know chase the next new shiny thing, right? So. You know, they may be excited by what we're talking about today, AI and machine learning and predictive logistics, and they might say, hey, we got to get this technology in here. But if they don't really understand or have a problem to find or understand what is it exactly that they're trying to solve or what business benefit are they trying to achieve? Or, you know, if they don't do that upfront work ahead of time and truly understand kind of what the mission is, uh, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a waste of time, a waste of money, or they're not going to get to where they want to be. In the most efficient way possible, so I think it's it's easy to become enamored <laughs> with technology, uh, but absent a clear, defined goal and strategy and and mission statement and problem statement you're trying to solve, uh, I think you could get yourself in more trouble than you know than, than benefits there.
1: Yeah, well said. Well said.
0: So um, you know, so a, you know, there's a lot to be done today. Obviously, I think this this technology continues, you know, to evolve. Um, I mean how do, how do you see you know AI and machine learning predictive logistics evolving in the years ahead I mean um, you know what what kind of new innovations are on on the horizon uh,
1: there There are so many you know I'll go back to what we were talking about before around how you know this will very soon become commonplace and uh table stakes for anything you're trying to do in your in your organization, especially if it's around optimizing uh creating efficiencies and, uh, you know, decision-making and especially before this world of automation that we're all um, trying to move to in, in one way or another. Um, and, you know, I'll go back to my first comments around everything we do personally and in business will be, will be transformed by these kind of technologies. Um, so what are, the, what are the next innovations? I mean, there are, there are, it's, it's just an enhancing every bit of the supply chain. But what I will say more concretely is, setting a company needs to set itself up for success for this future supply chain and not miss out on this wave by getting a sort of intelligence platform that really does canonicalize or or make sense of the data inside its house. It can then start leveraging that data for the next innovations to come, even if it's not foreseen what use cases they they have. So it's sort of, um, I guess the question, same phone out analogy is sort of like, going into the Verizon store and asking, you know, which app they should download next. I think the more important question is, how do I get the smartphone in my hands? And then how do I access the app store, right? How do I get that technology? It comes preset with a bunch of features, but as things go, you know, new things will be developed. And our platform at least was, is being set up so that others can plug into this, or a lot of the clean data can be eventually provisioned to the company, um, to the retailer manufacturer, for them to innovate on top of. Um, and so it's really about setting yourself up and not missing out on this wave, um, then knowing you know, exactly which, which app is going to be more popular than the next. Right. But what I would say is I wouldn't, um, uh, I'd advise companies to make sure they are going at this a little bit with a holistic partner and a holistic strategy just so that they don't end up with a string of you know apps and, and tools and band-aids Solve a little bit of a problem today without being able to get them to the next ten years. So, so I guess that to paraphrase what you, you paraphrase what you just
0: said. Uh, I mean, I, I think it sounds like you know that the right approach or the the approach that you at least advocate would be more of kind of a a platform or a foundational you know approach, right? Because there is so much happening in in, in this industry and with technology moving forward that the ability to configure, adapt, you know, whatever the future may hold, right? Ultimately, you need to have that kind of, to use the analogy, you need to have that smartphone, right, that can do just about anything you want it to do when you download different apps and everything else. But it's all based on that operating system, if you will, and kind of the, the meat of that. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? It's kind of like you want to have the infrastructure set, if you will, that's configurable, that's flexible, that's got the components, of of these uh you know core technologies but let the, let the future kind of define how those components are going to be put together to solve whatever opportunities or problems may lie ahead
1: yeah yeah exactly i mean our our company is uh, strategically out to build this as you can think of this ai operating system for the supply chain and, and our platform, for example, comes with the preset apps that we think you most need and most need today to get valuable and tangible impact. Um, and generally, that is what I'm saying. Of course, Adrian, I'm trying to hold back and not, you know, toot our own horn too much and talk about our, our product and make a sale. So I'm speaking a little bit in, uh, in generalities. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, our view is, hey, there is first you need your data made sense of. Then on top of that, there are core applications you need today that are going to solve core problems you have today. And that's what we offer. But we're we're also intelligent enough to know that in the future, as your company maybe hires on some data scientists, or you have projects and, and issues you want to deal with and create a solution for that we may not be in the business to actually create, it will be very important for us to relinquish and release that data or those tools or those capabilities so that you as a company can innovate. And what I'm trying to say is really you need to get with a partner or technology or a platform type strategy that will allow you to innovate yourself in the future or innovate with other third-party companies should some need come along that the company you're going with, like us, isn't in the you know, business to create that app. So yeah, we're I like you know, the iOS operating system on your iPhone, and you may need the Bank of America app, and that's fantastic. We may not build that, but at least we're setting you up for that success later on.
0: Yeah, no, got it. And, and I, I completely agree. I mean, I think, and you see some of that already today, you know, being able to provide, you know, companies with the tools and the capabilities for them to self-innovate uh, as well and, and be able to put that on, on, on the platform. I mean, just curious, do, do you see just another area that we didn't talk about today, but it's certainly generating a lot of buzz today is this whole area of virtual assistants and, and chat bots, you know, like the Alexas and the series and all that. And certainly seen a lot in the news lately of, uh, you know, tech companies investing a lot of a lot of money into those areas. I mean, do you see that as the future user interface of some of these uh, tools? You know, where we speak to the uh, uh, to, to the software, we speak to the computers, and, and and then have it do its thing and speak back to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, a lot of that is is here now. Um, but sure, I, I think really what we're talking about it, you know, is is formats, right? And our goal, and I think all of our goal in the business of creating this kind of stuff is to is to empower the person to, to make the best decisions they can or assist them with the right decision-making capabilities. And whether that's, yeah, voice interface or, um, uh, or just serving you the right information at the right time that you need it, whatever we can do as technology creators to make your life or your job easier or your company more profitable or the industry better, that's what we're, that's what we're, we're here trying to do. Um, and, you know, it, it is shocking though, as, as you paint those examples, how even the very far future, uh, is sort of right ahead of us.
0: Right. Right. Well, Adam, I mean, we're, we're kind of running short on time here, so I'm just going to go, you know, my last question here to kind of wrap up the conversation. I mean, what actions, you know, should companies take today to, you know, kind of get started? I mean, uh, and maybe what questions should they ask to, you know, assess whether they've got some of the foundational things in place to, you know, to ultimately achieve success in this area?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you three. I think first is move now. I mean, let's not be caught again by the wave of computers and the wave of wave of uh, smartphones. Move now because very very soon it will be uh, you know you catching up. Um, secondly, I'd say uh, you know get get the right partner. Um, you know this is a long road, and get the right partner. Um, and the questions I would ask around that are you know, a deep look into the actual technology, the team that created it, the expertise behind it. Um, And I think also the the vision that the company is on and where you and they want to go together. Um, I think that's, you know, some of the advice uh, that I'd offer. And I think third is, again, um, it doesn't require much of anything else to get started today. So keep driving with the data lake, the new ERP implementation, Um, the IOT, you know, uh, research and and development, but you can start today and get a lot of real tangible value. Um, Maybe that's the bell.
0: (laughs) Great. No, that's I think that's some great advice and food for thought. And, you know, like I always say at the end of our conversations, you know, um, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on on these topics. And there's certainly a lot more to everything we talked about today, but I I think, you you know, you provided some great insights and advice. I, I love the definitions you provided early on. And, you know, uh, kind of, sh- you know, shedding light on kind of the direction that this is all heading in and kind of the kind of almost a sense of urgency, if you will, uh, in terms of, you know, not falling uh, behind the curve here with, uh, you know, what's happening in this whole area. So, Adam, thank you very much for uh, making the time to be with
1: us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Adrian. Appreciate it very much.
0: And I want to thank those of you that joined us today. Uh, If you're watching uh, this episode on demand, uh, either at the Clear Metal uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Adam, uh, you can post it there. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. So again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.